This is Outside the Arc with Coach R.J. Barsh, discussing the game of basketball with players and coaches from around the world of hoops, presented by NBC Basketball Camps. I'm John Fazio with NBC Basketball Camps. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to introduce to you our special guest for today. Carrie DePel is not, all, uh, not only a great person and, uh, and a great friend, but she has an impressive basketball resume as well. Uh, let me tell you just a little bit about her. She played at Seattle Pacific University for four years and after that then headed overseas and played professionally in both Australia and Macedonia. Uh, when she came back to the States, she decided to pursue a career as a college basketball coach, wound up at Montana Tech University in Butte, Montana, home of the ore diggers, and uh, after two years as an assistant, became the head coach, spent six seasons as as the head coach there at Montana Tech before uh, slowing things down a bit and starting a family. Um, now she is back in the Spokane area. Carrie has also been involved with NBC camps on and on for about the last 17 years. And uh, thank you for being with us today and, and uh, being willing to share some of your wisdom throughout your basketball career. We're excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I know I gave a little summary about your basketball career, but could, could you go into it a little bit more depth about some of your more notable experiences and, and what you learned from those? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, like, like a lot of kids, I started um, in elementary school and, and started to try to get on travel teams and AU teams and kind of work my way up that way uh, competitively. And then I went to high school in Mount Vernon over on the west side. I was born and raised over there, so holds a special place in my heart. But uh, Mount Vernon was a great experience for me. Um, that that wooden bench gym, if anybody's been there, it's just uh, very historical and awesome. Um, and then from there, I went to SPU, and uh, like John said, I played there for four years. Um, that is a NCAA Division II school, and we were actually uh, my senior year. We got to be ranked number one in the country, which was wow. amazing and definitely a goal that we had had. Um, previously, you know, for the, the years before that. Um, so uh, that was a great experience. I loved every minute of my time there at SPU. I had great coaches, and so I learned a lot from them. Um, one of my coaches, my head coach there, Gordy Presnell, is now at Boise State, and so he's uh, certainly going to go in the Hall of Fame there, which is amazing. Um, and then my assistant coach there, talk about a stacked coaching staff, my assistant coach there, Lynn Roberts, is now the head coach at Utah, wow. University of Utah Women, and um, she's killing it there too. So um, I was very blessed to have have great coaching in college, which I think probably, I didn't know at the time, but probably inspired me to, um, to go on to my coaching career after I was done playing. Um, after SPU, I went overseas and played one season in Perth, Australia for the WMBL, it's called. Um, that was the National League, and so I got to travel uh, throughout the whole country. There was there was only eight teams. Australia is sparsely populated, so there's only a few major cities, but um, that was also a great experience. I learned a lot. I was over there by myself, um, so I had to negotiate my own contract and um, just, you know, make sure that I was holding up my end of the bargain and, and doing a good job to, to keep my contract going, so... Um, but that was a great experience. And then I went to Macedonia, which is right next to Greece. Um, I went there just for a short period of time, a few weeks, and got a great, great looking contract. My agent um, really killed it on the on the deal, but I got over there and then the team went bankrupt. Oh. So I had to, 
and so it was a total bummer. And so um, I had to, uh, you know, they sent me home. And at that point, um, I kind of was thinking I might be done playing. It's just kind of a thing when you get older and start to get serious with my then boyfriend, um, Bill. And so just thinking about settling down a little bit. So I decided to stop playing at that point. Mm. Um, and then, as John said, too, then I went into coaching. So that was kind of the next step of my basketball career. Now, you spent six seasons as the head women's coach at Montana Tech. Uh, what were some of the key lessons you learned as being in charge of a, of a program like that? Yeah, that's, um, it was a lot right at first. Um, so Brian Holsinger, who's actually a, an NBC alum also, uh, hired me out there. And so I got to learn from him for two years when he was the head coach, I was the assistant coach. Um, and then uh, that transition between um, being the assistant coach and becoming the head coach was a little rough. It was a lot of um, steep learning curve for me. And even though I knew basketball and I had been around a college program for a couple of years at that point, um, it was, it's still a different pair of shoes to be in and people look at you differently. And the players, I didn't realize this, but the players um, kind of looked at me differently overnight from when I was the assistant coach into being the head coach. So um, I was only 26 when I became the head coach. So I was, I was a little green still and uh, had a lot to learn. So I would say definitely maturity was um, was up there. I had to mature very quickly and just be the, the good anchor of, of a college program that, you know, a more experienced head coach would be. Um, but there was a, there was a lot of situational, um, you know, things that I had to go through with those players in that first couple of years. Um, in fact, the first year I had um, 11 players going into the season. I'll never forget this. I had 11 players I had uh, throughout the season. We just, like I said, I just, there was bumps along the road and um, I was definitely a part of that learning, learning curve. Um, but I had three players quit and then two players get uh, season ending injuries. And so I had to finish the last couple months of the season with six players on a, wow. on a college circuit, which is, which is pretty tough on their bodies and things. I remember one of the girls that was my point guard um, during a game up in Great Falls, she came over to me on the sideline and was like, coach, I'm gassed. I need, I need out. And I was like, Becky, I can't take you out. We got nobody. <laughs> Look at the bench. And so um, there was, oh man, it was just a, it was, it was a memorable, memorable time, but um, definitely a, a little bit of a hard time. So had to learn kind of just how to, um, be a rock and be an anchor and treat treat the players, you know, um, where they were and, and according to their personality, I kind of adapted my leadership styles to um, how they were, you know, best learned and best communicated. So that was a lot of it. Just, just the communication styles, I guess, is what I learned. I bet you were tempted to suit up a couple of times. Oh, totally. I, and I had to in practice. <laughs> yeah, I <bet>. Six players. <laughs> I had to hire a bunch of boys to come in and play against us. And yeah. Yeah, it was a little rough, but I, I will never forget that first year. It just, it molded me in a lot of ways um, and really taught me a lot. That's neat. Um, now you're still, you're helping coach at the high school level. I know you've coached some AAU. One of the things I hear from, from campers who are moving up into the high school level, um, maybe they're from a small town or maybe they're kind of that tweener player that maybe could go play at the next level, but not really sure. A lot of them want to know, like, how, how do I get seen or how do I get on the radar of of a college coach? How can I get my name out there? Do you have some thoughts or advice for players in that position? 
Yeah, um, and I've, I'm actually currently helping one of my players out at Freeman High School. Um, she really wants to play college um, going into her senior year right now. So she's this is the big summer between junior and senior year. Um, so I've kind of put together a list for her um, on what I think is important as far as um, trying to get noticed, like you said. Um, number one, I would say, is just remember that you are in charge of your college decision. You, it, it can't be an attitude of, I'm going to sit back and wait to get noticed. I have to go put myself out there. And um, you could be a perfect fit for a program, and, but they just don't, they don't either, either know about you. They don't go to a tournament that you're at or they just haven't seen you. Um, so you got to put yourself out there. So um, for me, I, the first thing I did with uh, this, this player that I'm helping right now, um, I wanted her to understand the divisions of the colleges because that plays into it. Um, so like there's basically five major divisions of college basketball, NCAA division one, everybody knows those schools, NCAA division two, kind of the next tier down. Um, and then NAIA division one, which is where I coached at Montana tech. Um, it's kind of the next one after that. And then NAIA division two, and then NCAA division three. So those are the five different divisions. And um, starting from the top, the way I described them, they kind of go from, being able to offer a lot of scholarships to no scholarship, athletic scholarships. So there's different, um, you know, financial impacts of that. And then also the playing time, you know, you need to be realistic about where you think you are as a player um, versus maybe where you want to be. Um, and so I would um, suggest any player to go to somebody that they trust and that knows basketball um, and has that knowledge and ask them, Hey, realistically, where do you see me in that, you know, in those five levels of, of college divisions, where do you see me? And, you know, get a few different, you know, opinions and, and then form your own opinion. And then from there, once you understand the divisions and then you understand where you're at, then you got to decide what's important to you for your college decision. So um, what's important to you as far as playing time? Do you want to play a lot or do you want to go big time and sit on the bench for four years? That was a, uh, for me, I could, could have done uh, one of two things coming out of high school, uh, University of Washington, I could have walked on there and sat on the bench and probably not played very much, um, but it would be D1 and it would be cool. But for me, I wanted to be on the court. So I chose SPU, which is uh, division two and was able to start for four years and just had an amazing time on the court, uh, which is what I wanted. So um, just think about that, what, what you want personally and what will make you happy and what will make your college experience good. Um, and then I would say, you know, you got to write a list of what's important to you. What degree are you looking at? Um, that's really important. I had a lot of players that would approach me at Montana Tech, but as soon as I asked them what degree they're interested in, it, it was elementary education or something like that, that we didn't have, then, you know, clearly it's not a good fit. So why waste both of our time, you know, pursuing that? So um, degree is important. Um, finances are obviously important. Um, scholarship or, you know, the need there. Um, and then the playing time. And then from there, uh, you just, you reach out to the code, like make a short list of the schools after you've considered all those factors, make a short list and then start reaching out to those coaches. Um, and don't get discouraged. Coaches are very busy and, uh, notoriously not very good about returning emails. <laughs> so I know I, I was when I was coaching, um, and so don't get discouraged, you know, um, reach out once if you don't hear back, reach out again, you know, two or three times and just continue to put yourself out there until you get a response. And then from there you can um, start 
chatting with the coach and see if it's a good fit or not. Yeah, I know for me, when I think back to playing days versus where I am now, my perspective about the game and about my attitude towards the game has changed quite a bit. Have you experienced that and in what ways? Yeah, totally. I remember during those first couple of years of coaching, I remember Brian uh, taught me a lot about, you know, that transition from being a player to a coach. Um, the number one thing is you got to look off the ball. Mm. Like as a player, you're, you know, you're looking at the ball all the time because that's what's important on the court. But as a coach, you got to see all five positions mm. all at the same time, which is why it's hard. Um, and you got to see off the ball. So honestly, most of the time when I'm coaching, I'm standing there and I'm not watching the person with the ball. I'm, at, I'm actually watching everything else going on. And so, um, you know, on both ends of the court too. So offensively, you're watching um, how the play is going, who messed it up so you can yell at them and then time out. <laughs> um, watching the rest of the play, are people setting good screens? What kind of defense is the other team in? You know, there's so many things besides just reacting to what the ball is doing. Um, and then on the defensive end as well, just really important. So um, off ball, um, understanding of the game is was probably my biggest adjustment that I had to go through for that. Yeah. I think one thing I've observed from you, knowing you for a long time and, and being a friend of yours, but also coaching with you at clinics and camps, is you have a, a really neat ability to engage the person you're speaking with. So if you're teaching a player something, you can really see that, that you listen well and that you engage them. Uh, where do you think that comes from? And obviously, Obviously, you feel like that's important or you wouldn't do it, but, you know, how has that become a gift of yours? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I do think that's that's one thing that I have. Um, and I think it definitely came from my parents um, on a on a personal level. My both my mom and my dad are um, are great listeners. They're slow to speak and, and fast to listen. And that's just a thing that I grew up with, I guess. So um, it is natural for me, but also. Um, Gordy Presnell, who was my college coach, was that way as well. And so when he, he was a good listener and when he spoke, it was important and it was to you and it was exactly what needed to be said. So um, I'm not somebody that just, you know, speaks and throws out a bunch of words and, and doesn't think about them. So um, yeah, I just think it's important when you're coaching a player to eye contact and you know, meet them where they are. If they're really struggling, then then why would you kick them while they're down? You got to be positive and encouraging and tell them in a way that's, you know, hey, you can do it. Just do it this way. Um, or if they're somebody that wants a little kick in the pants, then just, you know, give it to them and, and teach them that way. So I don't know, just understanding your audience, I think is really important. Um, understanding the problem and then just addressing it after that. You've gone from coaching college athletes now to uh, fourth grade boys in some sense, right? So you, you yeah. coach your son's team. For, for those out there, those parents that coach their own kids, what advice would you give them, whether they're coaching their actual team or even working out with them in the backyard? I just know sometimes that dynamic can be, can be strange to deal with. So what advice would you have for parents coaching their own kids? Yeah, it's super hard. Um, I'm doing it, like you said, and my husband coaches also. We have three kids, and so between the two of us, we're constantly coaching one or all of them. Um, but I would say the main thing that I've found is just to remember how old they are. <laughs> it's it's easy to, especially when they're your own kid. You, I think we all, as parents, we expect more of our own kids than than of other kids, honestly. And and so I tend to expect more of him and 
you know, think that he's like an eighth grader and he's just a fourth grader and he can, you know, he's just a little kid. So um, I think just understand, just remembering um, how old they are. And then also, uh, I, I cannot think of a, a good reason to grill a kid after a game. Um, if you're the parent and the coach, it makes it even worse because then they're getting it from two different perspectives. Um, but I just think, um, man, I love watching you play. It was so fun to see you out there. That is a perfect response after a game, whether they win or lose. So in my opinion, you know, after a game, I've been disappointed in my son at times during his games, but afterwards I just really try to remember, um, you know, that it's just, they don't truly understand. They don't have the life experiences that we as adults have. And so, you know, for example, I, um, I think that if I had worked harder, maybe I could have gone to play at a higher level. And so I feel that inside. And so I want him to work hard and, and have all the tools to be successful and achieve all of his dreams. But I can say that to him with words, but he doesn't, man, he's 11, you know? So truly it just, we can't expect the world from them. And I just, um, you know, keep it fun and keep them wanting to play. Don't make it a job when they're, and I, think you, I think you make a good point. I think oftentimes there's a tendency to make it about my journey. I want you to be this way. I want you to become this kind of player. And that's not always going to line up. Some kids are going to want to become much more. Some kids aren't going to want to become that at all. And yeah. for us as parents to be sensitive to let it be their journey, let it be their goals, their passion. And if, if they love it enough, they'll, you know, they'll dive in and they'll put in the work. And if they don't, they won't, they'll go find something else. Right. And then we can. Exactly. Yeah. Up. And I mean, it, there's nothing, I, we push our kids. I'm, I don't think there's anything wrong with expecting, you know, that they work hard and they put in the time and effort and things like that. There, I, I expect that of all my kids, but yeah, I, I just think that our story is not their story. So we That's need to great. be respectful of that. As we wrap up a little bit here, I just, I'm thinking of a lot of young athletes that are stuck at home, have been for two months, might be for a couple months more, who knows, you know, what, what, uh, what wisdom, what advice, what encouragement would you give them uh, if this, if there's not an opportunity for them to get out and go shoot hoops like they like to, or get together with their team, uh, what, you know, what, what could they do now? I think, honestly, there's, um, a couple things that uh, you can do. Ball handling is so important and it's not glamorous, but it is, it is so essential to um, being a good player because if you can't handle a ball, even if you're a post player and you think you don't need to dribble, you still have to be comfortable with the ball. So any type of dribbling um, drills that you can do, even just messing around, having fun, it doesn't have to be serious and crazy. Um, you know, just having the ball in your hands, just, working on different moves or having fun trying to invent different moves. I mean, the more time that you spend with that basketball is, is going to make it um, second nature to you. And then that's when your, your game opens up and your eyes can open up and see mm -hmm. other things that are happening on the floor. And because you're not worried about the, the ball in your hands. So um, I think ball handling for sure is something that people can do. Um, and then shooting, if you have a basket outside somewhere, um, man, just if you're a shooter, there is a spot for you somewhere. I mean, if you can knock it down, you could be the worst athlete and you'll probably still get some time somewhere because um, just putting that ball in the, in the basket is so important. Um, and then the other thing is just developing a hard work ethic. Um, just get yourself out there, even if it's for five or 10 minutes a day, um, just the consistency of putting in that time, even if it's not a long period of time, um, will develop that work ethic with you. And so, 
when you get to high school and you're trying to make the team or you get to college and you're trying to do a good job, um, it's nothing new to you to have to work hard every day, you know, go hard one day and go to sleep and wake up and do it all again the next day. It just, it becomes a habit. So I think that's something that um, kids could do at home right now. That's great. And if I could add to it too, as I've observed, a lot of kids are really limited to just stationary ball handling, you know, in the garage right now. Um, one mm -hmm. of the things that that's really challenged me is find a drill that you're really bad at and just work at it for a week, you know, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, because not only is it going to build your uh, coordination, but it's going to build your mental toughness, right? Like, can you go do something that you're going to fail and fail and fail and fail and oh, a little bit of success, fail, 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 a little more, you know, and then after two weeks, three weeks, I'll say, wow, you're actually getting good at that, you know, and I think it's a, it's a great thing to build mental confidence too during this time as well, you know? Totally. It, yeah, it's, it's a goal that you're achieving. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It's just the practice of setting a goal and achieving it and working hard through it. I mean, that's just a, that's a huge thing. Actually, that reminds me of a story when I was in college. I remember uh, after my freshman year, I was, um, that summer, I was working on all kinds of dribbling uh, moves that I could do between my legs, behind my, behind my back, the in and out, all this stuff. I just worked on it all summer. And then I came into the season and I remember, I don't know why, but I remember clear as day, um, the time when I did like a between the legs crossover, and I totally juked this girl out and she fell over <laughs> in front of me. And it was totally second nature because I had been doing it all summer, but it's the first time that I had done it in a game. And I was so like shocked by myself. I just did it without thinking of it. And it was awesome. And then I totally airballed the jumper afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember that. I don't know why. And that actually, that key like it motivated me to continue working on things that I wasn't good at because I realized, Oh, I actually it worked. I work on it all summer and I actually just did this in a game yeah. and it got open for a shot. So it was, that was pretty funny. Well, Carrie, it's really neat to learn from your experiences and wisdom and in, in coaching and as a parent of, of your own kids. Um, thank you for all you've done for our, uh, the NBC camps family. And this is a, this is a tricky time. So I, I've really enjoyed uh, learning from, from people that, that are within our sphere of influence. And you obviously have great wisdom. And one thing I really love about you is just your genuine nature. I mean, if people talk to you, they know you care about them. They know you're willing to listen. They know that you're taking them seriously, uh, no matter where they're at or what they're doing. And, and uh, I think that's a, something that we all can work on, whether we're a parent or a player, teammate, coach, whatever. Um, that's, that's a great example you've set. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for taking time with us today. I uh, look forward to get back, uh, getting back out on the court with you soon, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, thanks again from all of us at NBC. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Outside the Arc. For more information about NBC Basketball Camps, visit NBCCamps.com and listen to other Outside the Arc podcast episodes available on iTunes.